الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اتفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم if you look in the Quran al Kareem, Allah Ta'ala has given so many stories of how people searched for Allah, how people strove towards Allah Ta'ala in their youth. Even the Prophet they used to turn to Allah Ta'ala in their youth, in this period between 15 and 40. It comes about Ibrahim salam, the famous story that all of us know. If he first looked at the stars, then he looked at the moon, then he looked at the sun, all searching for his Lord. Now what was this? This was a period of intellectual curiosity a period of inquiry, where Ibrahim in his youth, all of a sudden something occurred to him that he tried to search for his Lord. Just like that, that those of us who are in our youth, this is the age in which we're supposed to think about Allah Ta'ala. We're supposed to wonder about Allah Ta'ala. We're supposed to turn to Allah Ta'ala. We're supposed to turn to those who guide us to Allah Ta'ala. But instead, we spend our youth wondering about the pleasures of the world, inquiring about the pleasures of the world, seeking help in attaining the pleasures of the world, when we were supposed to make Allah Ta'ala our friend, instead of that, a young man makes all these other people his friend. Picks the worst person in his college to make his friend. Picks the coolest person in school to be friends with. Picks the person who dresses in the most thick way to make his friends with. Why? Because he thinks that that person has more of the dunya than me. That person has tasted more of the dunya than me. If I become friends with him, then he too will introduce me to all the pleasures of the dunya. Similarly, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, in the time of his youth, he he uh, he left his uh, land of Egypt and he migrated, fleeing from that moment, that famous story when he punched out a Kipti, when he punched out uh, one of the people of her own. When he knocked out one of the people of her own, then he fled and then he fled into the protection of Allah Ta'ala. He fled in the search of Allah Ta'ala. Just like that, the famous story of the Ashabikah, the youth of the cave, it says in the Quran that these youth set out in search of their Lord. And because they felt close to Allah Ta'ala and they looked at their society around them. And they felt that the society at that time, they felt that the society around them was a society of fitna, a society of sin, a society of trap. So they decided that in order to worship Allah Ta'ala, in order to maintain their bond with Allah, they would have to leave their society, they would have to seclude themselves off in a cave. So this is the strength of youth, the energy of youth. That if youth turn themselves to the deen, then they have, they are the likeness of the Prophet. They are like Prophet Ibrahim They are like Prophet Musa Islam. They are like the youth of the cave. And if youth turn themselves towards dunya, where youth is a time of energy, a time of strength, a time of vigor, if the youth turn themselves towards the dunya, then they will fall into each and every sin that the dunya has to offer. Youth is a time when we, not only do we have a strength of spirit, not only do we have the strength of intellect, but we have a physical strength. It is a time when our physical bodies are so strong. Our physical bodies reach our prime, and those physical bodies which have reached their prime, they have a demand on us. They make a request on us. They start tempting us. So unless a person's soul, unless a person's heart, he'll be unable to restrain his physical body from falling into the temptations of the world. In the eye of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala says that only that person who has a purified heart will be saved in the day of judgment. But we should know that there are doors to this heart. Whatever you see comes into your heart. Whatever you hear comes into your heart. Whatever you say affects your heart. And whatever you do with your hands or whatever you do with your organs will affect your heart. So when Shaitan wanted to trap the youth of this world, Shaitan gradually made an entire syllabus for every young Muslim man in all four corners of the world. That first Allah Ta'ala will make his ears go into sin. Then Allah Ta'ala will make his eyes go into sin. Then Allah Ta'ala will see to it that his hands take him into sin. And finally Shaitan, uh, Shaitan will see to it that his ears go to sin. Shaitan will see to it that his eyes go to sin. Shaitan will see to it that his hands take him to sin. And finally Shaitan will see to it that his organs will take him to sin. What did Shaitan develop? The first thing Shaitan developed was music. Shaitan had the radio invented. Why? So that young men all over the world could hear the sounds of women, hear pop lyrics, hear sounds of love, listen to songs of lust, love and desire. As they used to hear these words about women, hear these words about love, hear these words about relationships, so the more and more they listened to music, the more and the more they would think. 
that I too want to have that type of love that is being described in that song. I also want to have that relationship that is being described in that song. So first Shaitan filmed the ears of the Muslim when with the songs of the West, with the songs of the beautiful sounding women singers of the West. Then Shaitan invented the television. That now that that person has this desire in his heart, that he's heard this beautiful voice, he's heard these beautiful tales of romance and love, the desire has come up in his heart, the next stage is to make him see with his own eyes these beautiful objects of desire. So Shaitan created TV. So that in every home of every Muslim in the four corners of the world, any young man, if he wants to, can turn the TV on and see any type of woman that he wants to. Then Shaitan developed cable. Shaitan developed pay-per-view. Shaitan developed special channels that start after midnight for the young man who has his own TV in his bedroom. Right? The young man has the one TV in the family room. When he grows old, when he does well in college, his parents ask him, what do you want? He says, oh, father, I want my own TV in my own bedroom with my own cable connection and my own remote control so I can sit back and relax on the bed and just flip through the channels at night. Oh, father, when you go to sleep at 10, 30, 11 p.m., when the mother goes to sleep, I look underneath the cracks of the door and when I see that the lights are off, then I turn my light on. Then I turn my TV on and I sit there and watch the beautiful images coming in front of me until 2 or 3 in the morning. Until I tire myself out physically. Until I expel my physical energies. Until I lie there in a state of weakness, in a state of sickness, in a state of impurity, and finally sleep overcomes me. And then I wake up at 10 or 11 in the morning and then I start my day again. So then Shaitan created the TV and then brought the TV into the house brought the TV into the boy's bedroom, put the remote control in his hand, and said, sit back and relax on your bed and enjoy the show. Then Shaitan wasn't content with this. He said that, fine, I have made him sin with his ears. I have made him sin with his eyes. I have even gotten to sin with his organs. But I want him to commit the ultimate sin. I want him to lead him even further and further into the sin. So then Shaitan took the next step and created the internet. By virtue of the internet, now the sun doesn't even have to wait until midnight. Now the sun doesn't have to wait until the lights are turned off. Now the sun, the young man has 24, uh, 24 hour access to each and everything that he wants. Things that were probably never even available to be shown on cable TV, that young man can see anything and everything that he wants in his computer screen. And again, when he does well in school, when he does well in college, he says, oh, Dad, you have a computer in your den. I want my own computer. I want a laptop where I can take with me wherever I go, that I can keep right here on my lap, so I can have 24-hour access to those things. I want an Internet connection. I want a cable connection. I want a T1 connection. I want an Ethernet connection. As fast and fast as I can get this information, I want that information delivered to me right on my lap, on my laptop, as fast as possible. So Shaitan created the Internet. And what happens is a young man who even doesn't want to sin, Shaitan uses the TV and the internet to cause him to sin. The young man turns on the TV, he only wants to watch CNN. So when he turns on the CNN, when he turns on the news, there's a beautiful woman telling him the news. Then that beautiful woman, all of a sudden, she keeps quiet and then beautiful advertisements come in front of him. Then all of a sudden, the regular news ends and it's time for sports news. And in sports news, all of a sudden, there's a swimming contest. Or there's time for music and fashion news. And that young man sees all these women, all these models, and he remembers the names of those models. Then that same young man turns the TV off. Later on, some other time in the day or some other day, that young man goes on the internet. And he truly, he only wants to look at the news. He goes on CNN's website and he sees that picture of that same model. That same fashion news that he saw, that same swimsuit edition that he saw, that same thing that he heard from his friends about, he sees a small picture in the corner of the website, and he looks at that picture, and now what he sees from his eyes, it affects his heart. It goes, a direct signal beams into his eyes, into his heart, and then the lust starts coming, the desire starts coming, and his fingers start moving. His fingers start typing away. He goes to a Yahoo search engine and types the name of that model. When he types the name of that model and presses enter, then a list of all types of websites come in front of him. Websites the likes of which he never even imagined before. Truly that young man when he turned on the computer, he only wanted to read the news, but Shaitan made sure that, oh, that young man, he will get anything but the news. He will get anything and everything but the news. I have developed this internet, this means to take him from one place to the other within a matter of seconds. 
Within a matter of seconds, a person goes from halal to haram on the internet. Before, it used to be so hard in olden times for a person to even look at a woman. Imagine 100 years ago, you couldn't even hear the voice of a strange woman. There was no radio. Or 50 years ago, you couldn't even hope of seeing any strange woman because there was no TV. Let alone now that on your laptop with instantaneous speed, you can see each and everything that you want. So that young man then goes and looks at that model's website, and then he does what Al-Shaytan ultimately leads him towards, and then he lies there in a state of shame. He lies there in a state of embarrassment. He lies there in a state of weakness. He lies there in a state of tiredness, and he gets depressed. He feels an emptiness inside of him. The Muslim, the believing young man, the person who has the light of Iman in his heart, he knows that he has done something wrong. Now that his desires have uh, fulfilled themselves, now that he has regained his senses, his heart cries out to him. His heart berates him. But what can he do? He just lies there passively and falls asleep, and the next day he does the same thing again. Each and every day he does the same thing again. Over and over and over again. Every night. Every day. Any time he wants, he commits this sin. So this is the internet, what our say calls internet. In other words, enter the net, enter the web, become ensnared in the path of Shaitan. The majority of us who have internet connections, another thing that the majority of Muslims do is that they go to an internet chat room. And again, some of them have very noble intentions. I once had a friend in America who told me that he goes to an Islamic chat room to make dawah. And there are many different types of people in that chat room. Mashallah, this friend of ours had a special knack for giving dawah to women. I don't know what Allah Ta'ala put in his heart, but he had this special ability to give dawah to young, trained women over the internet. And then after giving them dawah, after telling them about the beauty of Islam, then naturally he became worried about them. He wanted to take care of them. He became his friend. He wanted to see them that not only should they get the beauty of Islam, but they should get the beauty of the world and the beauty that he has to offer them. So then he would start emailing them, having an email relationship, an internet love connection, right? Falling in love over the internet. It sounds so foolish, but I can tell you that not dozens, not hundreds, not thousands, tens of thousands of our Muslim young men are into this. That they chat on the web. And so many different types of chat rooms. If you walk into an internet cafe today, you'll see that that young man has five or six windows up. He is simultaneously chatting with five or six women. Even on the phone, he wouldn't have been able to do this. On the phone, he could have maybe only talked to one girl. He has five or six windows running. First, one girl gives an answer. He's busy writing her back. Within that time, three, or mo- three more messages pop up. Three or more windows pop up. He quickly types them back. His speed of typing is incredible. Right? He surpasses the greatest secretary of the city. He is typing away, chatting up for three, four, five women at a time. Then Shaitan introduced the video camera on the internet, where you can send your picture and you can view the pictures of one another. You can email digital images to one another. So now a whole new type of world, a whole new type of images are popping up on this computer. Window after window after window, the poor task is busy upgrading his computer so he can keep handling the stream of information. He's increasing his hard drive. He's increasing his RAM. He's buying a new video card. Why is he buying that video card? What type of images does he want to see in his computer that he's buying that video card? So then Shaitan opened up this world for him. Streaming, live stream videos on the internet. Live conversation on the internet. Then what did Shaitan do? Then Shaitan said that my ultimate victory would be that this person is a cyber sinner, right? First this person was a TV sinner, or first he was a, a radio sinner, then he was a TV sinner, and now by bringing him on the computer, he is now a cyber sinner, but my ultimate goal is to make him an actual sinner, that from his own hands, live, as they say, live in the flesh, right? Live in the flesh to make him commit the sin, so what did Shaitan do? Just like Shaitan put the radio in his bedroom, Shaitan put the TV in his bedroom, Shaitan put the remote control in his bedroom. Shaitan put the computer in his bedroom. Shaitan put the internet connection in his bedroom. Shaitan put a cell phone in his hand. Shaitan put a cell phone in his pocket. Shaitan gave him this ultimate way to directly communicate with a real, live human being. This is what our Hazrat calls the hell phone. Right? Not a cell phone, but it is a hell phone because by virtue of what you do on that phone, it earns you the fire of hell. So what does that person do? Now he gets the numbers of girls in his school. Girls put their numbers up on the wall. Girls exchange their numbers with boys. Even he'll take the number of a girl from his friend. 
if it doesn't occur to him that if this friend of mine has this girl's number, then obviously he must have already called her, he must have already seen her and done so many things that it doesn't bother him. He is totally lost in his desires. He is willing to take any number that he is willing to get, even a stranger. He has no idea anything about her, but if he gets a number, he's going to start plugging that into his cell phone. And he'll call. Maybe the first girl will turn him off. If he won't be deterred, he'll get another number. Maybe the second girl will turn him off. So keep calling, keep calling until he gets so much confidence. He has the ability to speak talk to that girl that sooner or later some poor girl will fall prey to his, his wings and his wild. And then he'll start talking to the girl. And he'll just chat her up like she's just a friend of his. And he'll say nice things to her. And he'll befriend her. And he'll talk normally. But all the time, she's on feeding his ears with the voice of that girl. Directly beaming it to his heart, his heart is now filling up with desire. And as he praises the girl, the girl when she hears the praises of her heart also starts to fill up in desire. Then gradually, so surreptitiously, so cleverly, he takes her one step at a time. Then he arranges the time to meet at her. He says that, okay, why don't you come to that restaurant at 10 a.m.? And just SMS me when you get there, and I'll be driving around that area in my car. As soon as I get your SMS, I'll show up at that restaurant or even that bookstore. So after this exchange of SMS, then they meet. They first meet in a public place. They meet in a public place, they sit next to one another, they start chatting. Then they separate and they go home. And then that night they talk even more on the phone. If the girl wants to hear her boyfriend call her late at night, and what she does is she puts her phone on vibrating alert. And she's sitting with her parents, enjoying a meal, talking with her parents, all of a sudden she feels a little buzz in her pocket. The parents have no idea. And the daughter just lightly excuses herself in the gathering and she goes into her room and she locks the door. She locks the door and she takes out that phone and then she spends all night long talking to this male friend of hers. Then they set up another meeting time. And every meeting place is less and less public than the one before. If before they met in a public park where thousands of people were, now they'll pick that bench in that park which is all the way in the corner where nobody is there. After they meet on the bench of the park, then maybe she has some relatives of his, or maybe his own parents are out of town, so he finally asked the girl to come to his own home. Then when she comes to an, his own home, she will lock the door, she will draw the curtains, she will still be scared. Part of him will still be crying out. Until he commits the final sin, there will always be part of him that is crying out, that is begging him, that, oh young man, think what you are doing. Think what you are about to do. Think about that Lord who is watching you at all times. Think about that Allah Ta'ala who is with you at all times. But no, he will quietly take her into that bedroom. Now Shaitan has succeeded. That bedroom where he managed to get the radio in. He managed to get the TV in. He managed to get the computer in. He managed to get the internet in. Now by virtue of the cell phone, by virtue of this communication, Shaitan has succeeded in making the very girl enter that room. Now he doesn't even need the radio. He doesn't even need the TV. This boy no longer even looks at the internet. This boy now has the cell phone that whenever he wants, he can try to arrange a meeting with that girl. The majority of Muslim youth have this only this one thing. There's nothing else about the dunya that attracts them. If it does, it's just a small thing. Maybe some kid likes to wear jeans. Some boy likes to play some sport. The real thing that has captured all of our Muslim youth is this thing, is women. And anything else they do, in fact, is just to, just to uh, attract the woman. If he gets a particular haircut style, it's just because he thinks he'll be more attractive to that girl. If he wears any particular dress or fashion or uh, cut-off t-shirt, it's just to attract that woman. His day and night is living in existence for women. Each and everything he does, day and night, all he thinks about, all he dreams about, all he plans about, all he tries for, all his effort, all his heart, his mind, his brain, his body, his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, each and everything has been sacrificed for this for the opposite gender, for the other half of creation. Imagine if that boy sacrificed himself totally for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what heights he would have reached. Imagine if that person had as much love for Allah ta'ala as he did for that girl, what heights he would reach. Imagine if that person had much love for Rasulullah as he had for these women, what heights would he reach. Now all of this, you'd be surprised if Although I'm from New York, I'm not telling you any story of New York. I'm telling you the story of Lusaka. I'm telling you the story of Johannesburg. I'm telling you the story of Lahore, Pakistan. I'm telling you the story of Karachi, Pakistan. I am telling you the story of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. I'm not telling you just the story of what happens in New York and London. These stories and these realities have come into the Muslim world, into the most sacred of the Muslim countries, 
into the most sacred cities of the Muslim world. Cell phones and internet are now just commonplace in even Mecca and Medina. And these activities are happening in every place of the world. So much so that people come into Hazrat Sahib that even in Mecca, even in Medina, one person once came to Hazrat Sahib and said that, Oh Hazrat Sahib, make dua for me, I'm unable to guard my gaze. Even when I go for Umrah and Hajj, even in the Haram while making Tawaf, I'm unable to guard my gaze. In fact, my condition is such that at that time there were stairs that led down to the well of sons and water. But I go there and stand at the stairs, apparently waiting for my wife. But what I do is I look at all the faces of all the women who climb up the stairs. Now all of you have ever been to Makkah Mukarramah and have seen that spot where the stairs are. The Hanukkah is right in front of you. Imagine that you can see the house of Allah SWT and instead of looking at the house, you lower your gaze from that house and look at the women who are coming up from the stairs. This means that how fallen is that person? How overcome is he by his desire? Otherwise the truth is that the eyes that once saw the Hanukkah, those eyes should never even have the desire to look at anything else. The eyes that were blessed with the vision of the house of Allah SWT, those eyes that even saw the streets of Medina, those eyes that even saw the, the sewage or the gutters of Medina, those eyes should have never even dreamed of looking at anything else. But in those very holy places, a young man uses his eye to look at those strange women. In those very holy places, a, a young man is unable to control his case. Why? Because he spent his whole life. He spent every day of his life in his room on the internet. He spent every day of his life on the phone with a girl. So how can he manage that? How can he hope to save himself even if, even if he is in Mecca or Medina? Then by virtue of cell phones, men, the boys and girls meet one another, they go to parties, they go to raves, they meet at concerts, they meet at all types of things. I've seen, I've heard of things that you can never even imagine. Because New York City is the, is the king of cities of the world. It is a city that never sleeps. It means it is a city in which Shaitan never sleeps. It is a city of partying. It means it is a city where Shaitan parties all night long. All of Shaitan's dreams are fulfilled from New York City. And everything that is done in New York is broadcast every place in the world. Every Muslim young man of today loves America. And they love New York City. And they love Manhattan. And when they see the skyline and the skyscrapers of Manhattan in the movies, when they see these scenes in the MTV music videos, when they hear the rappers from Brooklyn, when they hear the rappers from Bronx, when they hear everything, each and everything that they see of the Manhattan, when they see the latest fashion coming out of Manhattan, everything, their entire heart, they sold their hearts to New York City. Many of them have never even seen New York City. The majority of them will never even see New York City in their lives. Well, today I have come before you today. He was born and raised in New York City, who spent the first 25 years of his life in New York City, who lived amongst New Yorkers, who lived amongst Americans, who lived amongst the people whom the Muslim youth love today, who lived amongst the people who the Muslim youth copy today. And I can tell you honestly that those people have no shame, they have no modesty, but more and above and all, they have no happiness. They are entirely empty inside. They are not happy with what they are doing. They are not happy with their lives. In the morning they wake up, they go to work, from work they go to the bar with their friend, they drink two, three, four, five drinks with their friend, and at night then they meet whoever and whatever they can. And then they go to sleep. And then the next morning they wake up again and they do it again. And weeks and months and years pass away in their life, but if you ever ask them are they happy, they're entirely unhappy. If you look at them in the morning in the New York City subway, their faces are drawn, their faces look haggard, it looks as if somebody squeeze them and wrench any drench or any last drop of newer or spirituality that could have been in them. They live miserable lives. They live like ants in large apartment buildings, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 stories high, each room with a small compartment. And then they go down in the elevators and they go one mile below the surface of the earth and like ants to enter a subway car in the darkness. This is how Allah Ta'ala has made their life. It's a terrible, a despicable, a sick and a tragic life. And the few blessed ones from that life who realize Allah Ta'ala blesses them when they die. But our Muslim young men, we don't realize. And we love their life. We wish that we too could go to New York. I have my own cousin in Karachi. He's crazy about New York. He dreams, his, his greatest dream in his life is that somehow he can manage to make it to New York. His room is full of posters of all the pop stars, of all the sports stars, of all the, and any, and each and every famous personality in America. I always tell them that you're more American than me. I never even put one such poster like this in my room. But why they are crazy about New York? Because they are crazy about the desires. They are crazy about the love. 
they want to go to that place where they think that each and everything that they want can become fulfilled. So young man, know that you are a young Muslim man. Certainly you have come to the Muslim because you have some feeling for Allah SWT. You have some belief in Allah Ta'ala. So you should think that, oh Allah, what am I doing with this computer? What am I doing with this cell phone? What type of life have I earned for myself? Just two, three nights ago, Hazrat Sahib gave an entire bayan just on the punishments that the person who commits zina will have in hellfire. An entire hour-long lecture on all the different types of punishment a person will get in hell who commits this sin. One punishment was that that person who, who uh, rises in the Day of Judgment having committed the sin, Allah Ta'ala will order that he will be enclosed and smothered with burning hot coal with burning hot tar. Will smother his whole body and will burn him from all four corners from each and every atom of his body. Another sin is that he will be formed over by scorpions. And scorpions will sting him on each and every atom of his body. They will keep forming over him, creep crawling over his body and stinging him on each and every atom of his body. Why? Because the punishment fits the crime and he committed the crime in which at that moment, at the moment of climax, each and every atom of his body shivered with pleasure. Each and every atom of his body felt a tingling of relief. So that tingling that he took pleasure of in this world, Shaitan will give him a special tingling. A new type of tingling, the tingling of the fire of hell, the tingling of burning hot lava, the tingling of burning hot tar and coal, the tingling of the stings of a scorpion on his body and the, and the, and the day of judgment. That will be his punishment. So imagine now, what is it that we are earning? Just from the gaze of Allah SWT, what do you pay? If you even look at a strange woman, what is the price that you pay? We mentioned before that Hazrat Sheikh Ahmed Sahindi, Imam Rabbani Mujid al-Sultani Ramsay, writes in the that when a person misdirects his gaze, when a person looks at a woman he wasn't supposed to look at, then Allah Ta'ala takes away his vision from him in the, in the afterlife. And if every Muslim eventually makes it to hell, heaven, if he makes it after one year in hell, if he makes it after 100 years in hell, if he makes it after 100,000 years in hell, it comes in Hadith and Mishkat that the last person, to be, the last believer to be taken out from hell, Allah Ta'ala Himself will take them out. First, Allah Ta'ala will command the believers that if there's anybody who you find with even a drop of Iman, you can intercede with them and take them out from hell. So the believers will search from the citizens of hellfire, from the inhabitants of hellfire, from the people who are burning and burning to a crisp, and then will find anybody that they can recognize who even had a drop of Iman and they'll take them out. And Allah Ta'ala will say to anybody left, and they'll say no. And Allah Ta'ala will say, are you sure? And they'll say, Allah Ta'ala, anybody who even had the remotest trace, even had one atom of Iman inside of him, we have taken them out. And Allah Ta'ala will say no, and Allah Ta'ala will, figuratively, Allah Ta'ala will scoop up a handful of people, and Allah Ta'ala will take out even another handful of people out from the hellfire. And what will be the condition of those people, it's narrated in Hadith, that they will have been burned to such a crisp, they will have been charred, they will be unrecognizable as even as human beings. Blackened, tattered, burnt things, corpses almost will be taken out from hellfire. And then Allah Ta'ala will bring them into heaven, and then even on heaven at first, they will have uh, something like a stamp on their forehead that says that this is one of the people who used to be in hell. And then this, these people will then make dua to Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala, out of your mercy, you took us out from the hellfire. After years, decades, centuries of punishment, Allah Ta'ala, you finally took us out. You cleansed us of our burns. You gave us intact bodies again. So Allah Ta'ala, we make one final dua to you that you remove this sign from our forehead because we still remain humiliated. And we still remember that time. So then finally Allah Ta'ala will remove that sign from the forehead and then they will blend in and live as all the other inhabitants of heaven. So because we know from 100% certain proof that there will be some Muslims who go to hell. And we know from certain proof that there will be some Muslims who reach, who reach this final stage that they will be amongst the last people to be taken out of the hellfire. So we have to think that who can those Muslims be? If they aren't the Muslims who watch the internet, if they aren't the Muslims who from their cell phones they meet women, if they aren't the Muslims who commit their sin, then who, what other Muslims can there be? So without a doubt, if a Muslim who does all these things, if he dies before repenting, if he meets his Lord in a state of sin, if he meets his Lord in a state of impurity, if he meets his Lord when he was living his life following his lusts and desires, then he too will face all these punishments. These punishments aren't just hearsay. These punishments are a reality. And we have to fear that we, may not, we too may not be amongst the people who face these punishments. 
اللہ پاک حسن قرآن کریم اللہ And this is what happens to all of those, us, to all those of us who have managed to escape. This is the story of my life, that I managed to escape America. I truly think that this is the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala uh, I, uh, took me out from the darkness of New York City, took me out from the darkness of the college and the universities I used to attend, took me out from the darkness of the dormitory life that I had to be a part of, and brought me into Pakistan and gave me the ability to study his deen, gave me the ability to live in the Madrasa dormitory. I cannot even, I cannot even describe it. It's beyond words for you to describe the difference. Allah Ta'ala has described it as the difference between darkness and light. The difference between absolute pitch black oppressive darkness where a person is lost. He doesn't even recognize his own self. He's completely clueless about what the meaning of life is. Allah Ta'ala brings you into a pure white light. Allah Ta'ala shows you the light of faith. Allah Ta'ala unites you with His pure ones, with His beloved ones. Allah Ta'ala makes you sit at the feet of the Muslim scholars. Allah Ta'ala can do this for anyone and everyone. Allah Ta'ala is always waiting, just waiting to take His servant out of darkness into light. A person just has to not even make any action. He just has to make an intention. He just has a desire in his heart. He has to cry out from his heart that, Ya Allah, I've spent so all my youth in sin. Allah Ta'ala, you said that youth was supposed to be spent in your worship. Allah Ta'ala, you said that that young man who spends his youth in my worship, who spends my youth and his youth in my remembrance, I will grant him the shade of the throne, on, 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 the shade of my throne on the day of judgment. On that day when there is no other shade other than the shade of my throne, I will grant that youth who spends his life in my worship the shade of the throne. So imagine that youth who instead of spending his life in worship, spends his life in sin, spends his life in disobedience, spends his life chasing the women of the world, spends his life following his desires, spends his life surfing the internet, so instead of the shade of the throne, he may be cast into the depths of the hellfire. There was a story in the early Muslim times of a young man who was once spending the night in the masjid. And there was a very rich family, a, a, a young girl from a rich family was making her way home and all of a sudden some fights started to erupt on the street. And there was a big procession and she became worried for her own safety. So she looked here and there, she didn't know where to go, she saw the masjid, she saw the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she thought, being a high servant of Allah, that let me go into the masjid and let me just spend the night here until all these riots and all this chaos passes away. So when she entered the masjid, she saw that there was a young man there. And when the young man saw her and said that this beautiful, young, fine young woman entered the masjid, he also became afraid. And she sat in one corner of the masjid and he went and sat in the other corner of the masjid. Now at that time there was no electricity, there was no, there were no lights, there were no bulbs, but he was reading the Quran and studying some books with a candle. And all night long, what did he used to do? That every two or three minutes, he used to stick his finger inside the flame of the candle or the flame of the lantern and then stick his, take his finger out. And then he would again resume reading the Qur'an, again resume reading his book, and five or ten minutes later, again he would stick his finger in the flame of the lantern. So the young woman, she saw this all night long, that this young man is doing this. So when in the morning came, when Fajr broke, when the day was calm, and when she was about to go back to her home, she asked that young man, that, can I just ask you one thing? Why, throughout the night, you kept sticking your finger in the flame of the lantern? So he said that the reason I did this was because throughout the night, I was alone, even though I was in the masjid, even though I was in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I felt the temptation, I felt the desire towards you, I felt that me and you are alone in this masjid, that there is no other person here with us. So every time I would feel even a slight desire coming to me, I would stick my hand into the fire of the lantern, the flame of the lantern, and remind myself that, oh young man, if you even dare to even take a step towards this girl, you will earn yourself the hellfire, you will earn, you will be burnt in the hellfire to see first if you can even handle the flames of the worldly fire. So I would burn myself and then I would remind me of the fire of hell and then I would take it out and I, again I would go back to my studies. But then again, 
pious young man, in the masjid, but then again, 15, 20 minutes later, again the desires would come up in me. Then I would burn my finger again in the flame. And then I would take it out. Then I would resume my worship. Then 15 minutes later, again I would feel the desire come to me. And then I would burn my finger in the flame. And then remember the fire of hell. And then take it out. Just like that, I passed the whole night. And every 10 or 15 minutes, I started to place my fingers in the flame. So imagine a pious young man who secluded himself in the masjid to worship the whole night. Still, he himself can be tempted by shaitan. He himself can fall prey to his desires. So what was the wisdom of this man? What was the brilliance of this young man? Is that rather than let his desires take control over him, he took control of his desire. He taught his desires a lesson. He took active means to teach himself a lesson by sticking his finger in the help in, in the fire of that mentor. So just like that, a young man, if he wants to stay away from sin, he's going to have to turn off his cell phone. He's going to have to return his cell phone to the company. He's going to have to disconnect his internet connection. We had a friend in Karachi, he used to complain to us of the sin, that he had, uh, he would always fall into the sin of surfing on the internet and seeing what he did, what he was unable to see. And after trying many different things, after driving into fast, because that young man was unable to marry, he should fast. As Wilson said, that in order to control your desires, you should fast. But even after fasting, he was fully, he was not fully able to control the sin, so the only result was that I told him that you have to take the modem out of your computer and bring me your modem. So the next day he took the modem out of his computer and he placed the modem in, his, in my hand. And that was the only way he was able to save himself from sin. Remember one thing. Remember one golden rule that will make it easy from you, for you to save you from each and any sin that you want. That the Sharia has a philosophy which in English we call nip the evil in the bud. That you have to stop the sin at, at the first step. Don't try to make your battle line that last moment. Don't try to go on the internet look at the news, even go on that bad website, and then say that at that final moment I will save myself from that last click. You have to save yourself from the first click. You have to save yourself from the first button. You have to save yourself from even turning that computer on or plugging that phone cord in. Because if you fight the battle in the beginning of the sin, at the very origins of that sin, then it's very easy to win the battle. It's very easy not to turn the internet on. It's very easy not to turn the TV on. But if you think that, no, that I will continue in going towards that sin, going towards that sin until I'm at the brink of that sin, and until I'm standing, looking down on the cliff, and then I will save myself, it's impossible. It's practically, illah mashallah, impossible. That you can bring yourself up to that very moment of sin. That you can walk to the door of sin, and that you can save yourself from going in. So the only way to save yourself from sin is to save yourself from the opportunity of sin. Save yourself from the people of sin. Save yourself from the thoughts of sin. Don't even pick up the phone and talk to that girl. Don't even write that email. Don't even go into the world of chat rooms. And better yet, don't even have an internet connection at home. To be honest, the truth is that the Muslim young man today, he cannot save himself unless he disconnects himself from the internet. He cannot save himself unless he turns back and cancels that cell phone account. Otherwise, with these two things, the internet and the cell phone, Shaitan is so ensnared the Muslim young man that even when he repents, even that young man who comes in Ithikaf and spends ten, the last ten days of the month of Ramadan and he cries to Allah Ta'ala in du'a and he repents to Allah Ta'ala but if he goes back to that same home, if he goes back to that same internet connection, if he turns on that same cell phone that he is just inviting himself back into sin. True Tawbah, true repentance means that you leave all the means that led you to that sin. If you truly want to repent in this month of Ramadan, if you truly want to repent in these last ten days of the Takaf, it means that you must make a sincere intention now that when you go home, you will turn off that connection. When you go home, you will turn on that phone. When you will go home, you will disconnect the cable service. When you go home, you will cut off all the relations with any and every girl that you ever may have had. Until you have that intention now, if you go back to the same old life, then Allah Ta'ala will, then, then you will, Satan will uh, ensnare you in the same old way of sin. And if you attach yourself to Allah Ta'ala in these 10 days, then Allah Ta'ala will send His special mercy on you. His special gaze will be upon you. Because once two young men were arguing with one another, and an old man walked by, and when they saw the old man, they called him over. And they said that, oh old man, maybe you can resolve our argument. And he said that, well, I'm not a sheikh, I'm not a scholar, I'm not an alim, but why don't you tell me what you were disagreeing about, maybe I can solve your problem. So the two young men said that we are having a disagreement, that whom does Allah Ta'ala love more? Does Allah Ta'ala love that servant of his who never sins, who always remains pure, who always was modest, who always safeguarded his chastity? 
Or does Allah Ta'ala love that servant more who sinned in his past, who committed a transgression on his soul, who maybe oppressed himself and lost his chastity, but then repented unto Allah Ta'ala, has rejoined himself with Allah Ta'ala. Who does Allah Ta'ala love more? The person who never sins, or the person who sins and then repents unto Allah Ta'ala? So the old man says that, well, I cannot tell you any answer from the Quran and Hadith, but from my own life experience, I am a weaver. I weave large tapestries on a loom. And whenever I am weaving, I have to watch so many threads, and I have to carry so many threads across the loom till the end. And I see that when one piece of thread or one yarn breaks off, then I have to go back and I attack that yarn. And when I attack that yard and I keep weaving and I keep weaving, I always keep my special look, I, I keep my special gaze on that yarn that broke off. That that yarn, that string, that thread broke once, I knotted it back together, and now I keep my special gaze on that piece of thread lest it break again. So it seems to me that Allah Ta'ala also keeps his special gaze, sends his special mercy, sends his special rahmah on that servant who once broke off from him but is trying to join himself again. Allah Ta'ala takes special care of his weak and, his weak and needy servants, his hapless and his hopeless servants. So if we too in this last 10 days, or these last two days of the month of Ramadan, if we turn to Allah Ta'ala, if we say, Allah Ta'ala, truly we are disconnected from you, truly we broke our cord from you, truly we let go of your rope and fell into the pit of sin, fell into the abyss of our desires, where Allah Ta'ala, today we call out of that pit. We once again grab that rope that when we cling to you, we once again make that connection to you. Allah Ta'ala, we know we are weak. We know that we might even slip from that rope again, but we count on your mercies, we count on your birth, on your kindness, on your rahmah, that Allah Ta'ala, you will keep us attached to you. You will keep us attached to this rope and you will forgive us for our sins. Once there was a, in the time of Hazrat Hassan Basrina, one of the greatest awliya of his time, one of the greatest awliya in the history of the Muslim world. He had a female marid who used to attend his lectures and attend his talks with so much uh, sincerity, with so much desire. But that female marid of his had one son. And her young son, her young man in the height of his youth used to sin so much. He never observed the duties of Islam, he would leave his prayers and he would lead a life of sin. He used to do each and every sin that the time that was available at that time. And the mother used to cry, the mother used to pray for him, the mother used to give him so many advices. The mother used to even ask her Sheikh Hazrat Hassan Bakshan to make dua for her son. She even used to sometimes drag her son to the company of Hazrat Hassan Bakshan. And Hazrat Hassan Bakshan used to give her son advices, used to make dua for her son, used to try his best to reform her son. But her son would not change her ways. She kept trying, she kept trying, but the son remained stubborn. He remained persistent. He was known in the whole community as the most sinful youth of this time. Then what happened is Allah Ta'ala then sent him a punishment in this world that Allah Ta'ala afflicted him with a sickness, a deep sickness, a mortal sickness. And as that young man became more and more sick, then all of a sudden he realized that this is my final sickness, that death will soon overcome me. And then finally the words of his mother, the prayers of his mother had an effect and he called his mother and said, Oh mother, now I realize I have led a life of sin. I have followed my desires. I ignored your advices. I ignored the advices of the wali of the time. I didn't do cover of the wali of the time. And now I know that Allah Ta'ala has sent this sickness to me as a punishment for my sins. Allah Ta'ala is punishing me. Allah Ta'ala is angry with me. And now I'm scared that if death overcomes me, that I will meet Allah Ta'ala in a state that he is angry with me. So, oh my mother, today I pledge to return to Allah Ta'ala. Today I seek forgiveness of all of my sins. And my mother, my last request to you before I die is that you call Sheikh Hassan Basri and you tell him that I have repented for my sins. And you ask him to come here and accept my tawbah and that so he can testify in the day of judgment that I repented unto Allah Ta'ala. And that so he can also make dua for me before I pass away that Allah Ta'ala forgive for me my sins. So imagine how happy the mother's heart was. All her life this was her dream that her son needs his life of sin. And she was so distressed herself at seeing her son that he is so sick that he is about to die. So when her son called her and said these words, there was no limit to the joy and happiness of the mother. Immediately the mother went to the door of Hazrat Sheikh Hassan Bakhtar And she knocked on his door. And when he opened the door, he said, Oh woman, why have you come? And she said, Oh Sheikh, my son wants to repent unto you. My son says he is sincere and he wants you to come to the house. And he says he wants to repent to Allah Ta'ala at your hands. And Hazrat Sheikh Hassan Bakhtar was busy with some other engagements. And he said, Oh woman, 
Why do you still listen to your son? When do you realize that your son is nothing but a deceiver? He is nothing but a liar. He is nothing but a sinner. How many times will you let your son break your heart? How many times will you let your son fool you? Oh, woman, know that there is nothing you can do for your son. Allah Ta'ala has hardened the heart of your son. Allah Ta'ala has sealed the heart of your son because he has committed so many sins. He is just fooling you again. I no longer have any time that I can spare for him. And then he shut the door on her. Imagine that woman whose joy and happiness knew you abound. Now all of a sudden, imagine her sadness, her depression. How can I go back to my son and tell him that Hassan Basram Saleh, the wali of the time, the most generous person of the time, even he has lost hope in you. And the mother starts to go home and she starts to shiver and she starts to shake. That maybe that when Hazrat Hassan Basram says, saying that your son is insincere, maybe Allah Ta'ala has not accepted his repentance. Maybe the fact that the wali is not accepting to come to take his repentance, this is a sign that my son is not Kabul. She started to cry and she came back to her son and then her son when he heard her come home, he looked up expectantly, he looked up hopefully, thinking that his mother would have brought Hazrat Hassan Basri. But he saw the mother came along and he asked, oh mother, what happened? And she cried and she could not think that what she could tell her son. But the son insisted, the son persisted, so the mother finally told him that, oh son, I went to Hazrat Hassan Basri, but he has refused your request. He has refused to come and accept the repentance at his hands. So then the son looked at his mother, and he too also became scared. That maybe truly this means that Allah Ta'ala has not accepted me. Maybe Allah Ta'ala has decreed that I should die in a state of sin. I should die in the same way that I lived. So he said that, oh mother, now I realize that truly I committed so many sins that I am beyond any hope. I am beyond even the hope of the wali of the time. Oh mother, then honor this other last stress of mine. That when I pass away, and take my corpse out into the city, and wrap a rope around my corpse, and drag my corpse in front of all the people and make an announcement to the people that, oh people, that young man who persists in sin, that young man who fails to repent unto Allah, this is the end that he meets. He is dragged in front of the people. Even the awliya of the time refused to look at him. Even the wali of the time refuses to come to him. My mother, maybe then Allah will have mercy on me. Maybe when you drag me in front of people and make me seem like a wretched and despicable and a sinning and a lowly and a base person, maybe Allah Ta'ala, at that moment, maybe Allah Ta'ala will send His mercy on me. Maybe Allah Ta'ala will see my face being dragged. Maybe He will see the blood stain from me when I'm dragged over rocks. Maybe then Allah Ta'ala will send His mercy on me and saying this, that son passed away. Imagine the condition of the mother. She started weeping. She started wailing. And in just a few moments, a knock came on the door. When she heard the knock on the door, she opened the door and she saw Hazrat Sheikh Hassan Basriyam today with tears in his eyes. And she said, Oh Sheikh, how is it that you have come? How is it that you yourself have come to my door? He said, Oh woman, no, that after you left, I then lay down to take a nap. And when I lay down to take a nap, Allah Ta'ala appeared to me, or Allah Ta'ala's voice came to me in a dream. And he said, Oh Hassan Basri, you claim to be the wali of mine, that you deny to go to the door of my wali? You deny to take the repentance of my wali? I woke up all of a sudden and I realized that I made a great mistake. That Allah Ta'ala had accepted the repentance of that young man. Allah Ta'ala made that young man his wali. Allah Ta'ala included that man in the ha- that man, young man in the ranks of the awliya. Oh woman, I am here as your servant. I am here as the servant of that young man. I come as the slave of that young man. It would be my honor if you let me read the janazah over that young man. So my friends, no matter how much you sin, no matter how low we may go, if we turn to Allah Ta'ala sincerely, Allah Ta'ala will not only forgive us for our sins, He can turn our sins into good deeds, He can even raise us amongst the ranks of the awliya, He can even count us amongst His true friends, because that young man who turns to Allah Ta'ala in his youth, that young man who gives his heart and cries out to Allah Ta'ala in repentance, Allah Ta'ala loves that young man, and Allah Ta'ala makes that young man as wali. May Allah Ta'ala give us all of us a tawfiq in these last two days of Ramadan to repent from all of our sins and to lead a life that is pleasing to Allah. Wash all the sins away and change my dead heart. Wash all the sins away and change my dead heart. Make me alive again, give me a fresh start. Wash all the filth away and clean this dead heart. Wash all the filth away and clean this dead heart. Make me a light again, give me a fresh start. 
So change my heart, please, and wash the sins away. So change my heart, please, and wash the sins away. Don't leave me drowning here alone and astray. So change my heart, please, and wash the sins away. Don't leave me drowning here alone and astray. I spent my life running away from you. I spent my life running away from you. And now I have nowhere to turn except you. I turn to you and begging you to be safe. I turn to you and begging you to be safe. To change me into an obedient slave. I have been doing all my life what I crave. I have been doing all my life what I crave. Satan and up have always had me enslaved. I am ashamed that I have broken your rules. I am ashamed that I have broken your rules. Worship my nuff and a few ignorant fools. But now I know the path leading me to thee. But now I know the path leading me to thee. I bow to you and asking you to help me. But now I know the path leading me to thee. I bow to you and asking you to help me. I wish your name to be engraved in my heart. I wish your name to be engraved in my heart. I will be grateful to you change the dead heart. My heart is dark and so my eyes remain dry. My heart is dark and so my eyes remain dry. Hypocrisy and hubris won't let me cry. I am at your door and begging you let me in. I'm at your door and begging you let me in. I'm at your door and begging you let me in. Don't push me back into my hopeless life of sin. I'm at your door and begging you let me in. I'm at your door and begging you let me in. Don't push me back to my previous life of sin. Wash all the filth away and change my dead heart. Make me alive again, give me a fresh start. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Subhanallahi <laughs> Allah Ta'ala, if you do not send your mercy upon us, if Allah Ta'ala, you do not send your forgiveness upon us, then we too will be amongst the lost ones. We too will be amongst those who taste the fire of hell. Allah Ta'ala, liberate us from the hell. Allah Ta'ala, in these last ten days of the month of Ramadan, when you have sworn that you feed the people of hellfire, 
Allah Ta'ala today the people of Hellfire come to your masjid. Allah Ta'ala those Muslims who earn the fire of hell are at your door. Allah Ta'ala we admit that we are the people of hell. Allah Ta'ala we admit that hell has all its rights over us. Allah Ta'ala but in this dunya Allah Ta'ala you gave us the ability to come to your masjid. Allah Ta'ala we seek refuge in this masjid. In the name of this masjid. In the name of your house. In the, month, in the name of the month of Ramadan, in the name of the Sikhah, in the name of your mercy, in the name of your forgiveness, Allah Ta'ala, we beg of you to free us from the hell. Allah Ta'ala, forgive us for all of our sins. Forgive us for the sins that we committed in the past. Forgive us for the sins that we committed in the present. Forgive us for the sins that we committed once. Allah Ta'ala, forgive us for the sins that we commit repeatedly. Forgive us for the sins that we commit every day. Forgive us for the sins that we commit in the night. Forgive us for the sins that we commit in secrecy. Forgive us for the sins that we try to hide from others. Allah Ta'ala, forgive us for the sins that we give in our hands. Allah Ta'ala, those hands that used to sin against you, those hands are raised to in dua. Allah Ta'ala, forgive the hands for these sins. Allah Ta'ala, those eyes that used to sin. Allah Ta'ala, those eyes that used to look at what they weren't supposed to look at. Today these eyes were closed in your obedience. These eyes were closed in searching for you. Allah Ta'ala, forgive these eyes for their sins. Allah Ta'ala forgive our bodies for our sins. Allah Ta'ala forgive us our feet for our sins. Allah Ta'ala erase the record of our sins. Allah Ta'ala erase all traces of our sins. Allah Ta'ala erase the memories of our sins. Allah Ta'ala when we go back into our homes, Allah Ta'ala don't let us go back to our sins. Allah Ta'ala don't turn us back to our lives. Allah Ta'ala don't return us to our hopeless lives. Allah Ta'ala return us to a, more, a better life. Allah Ta'ala give us, save us from the opportunity of sin. Save us from the people of sin. Save us from the faces of sin. Save us from the thoughts of sin. Save us from the memories of sin. Allah Ta'ala purify us from all and each and every trace of sin. Allah Ta'ala we turn to thee. Allah Ta'ala we have nobody except thee. Allah Ta'ala you may have thousands and millions and billions Allah Ta'ala but we have nobody except thee. Allah Ta'ala if you don't forgive us now, Allah Ta'ala who will forgive us? Allah Ta'ala if you don't carry your rahmanas and save us from these sins, Allah Ta'ala who will keep us from our sins? Allah Ta'ala we repent from the internet. Allah Ta'ala we repent from the cell phone. Allah Ta'ala today there are those with white beards who might even do sin. Allah Ta'ala forgive them for the whiteness of their beard. Allah Ta'ala today there is a young man who is crying to you to forgive him for his sin. Allah Ta'ala that young man who did every sin that he wanted today, Allah Ta'ala he is crying to you. He is reaching out to you. Allah Ta'ala forgive us for our sins. Allah Ta'ala forgive us for all the sins that we've ever done. Allah Ta'ala make it easy for us to follow our deen. Allah Ta'ala anything that is keeping us from your pleasure, Allah Ta'ala remove it from us. Allah Ta'ala grant us the ability to please you. Make us true rise in the day of judgment that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you. Make us true rise in the day of judgment that we are smiling at you and you are smiling at us. Allah Ta'ala let us not be embarrassed in front of Rasulullah Sallallahu on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala do not show our sins to the people on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala do not show Rasulullah the sins that we did with our eyes on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala do not show Rasulullah the things that we used to look at on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala do not show Rasulullah what we used to do in our beds at night and alone in our room, Allah. Allah Ta'ala hide our sins from the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi on the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala hide our sins from the people in the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala we hid our sins in this world. Allah Ta'ala we repent unto you. We admit now that we could never hide anything from you. But we beg of you to hide our sins in the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala forgive us for our sins. Allah Ta'ala all of those of us, each and every one of us has that one special sin, that one deadly sin that we are unable to repent of. Allah Ta'ala in the barakah of this month of Ramadan let us leave that sin. In the barakah of this month of Ramadan let us leave the sins that we are unable to leave. Allah Ta'ala keep us always attached to you. Allah Ta'ala we are clinging to you. Allah Ta'ala we are reaching out to you. Allah Ta'ala draw us closer to you. Keep us in your protection at all times. Allah Ta'ala never let us fall again. Allah Ta'ala don't leave us to our own whims and desires. Don't leave us to our own devices. Allah Ta'ala surround us with your protection. Surround us with your care. Surround us with your hifadis. Allah Ta'ala you yourself said that you created us weak. You yourself said that you made him sound the east. Allah Ta'ala we are the weakest of the weak. We are the most sinning of the sinning servants. Allah Ta'ala we need your special care. We need your special gaze. Allah Ta'ala that old man looks at the friend that broke with special love. That Allah Ta'ala that you must look at us also with special love. Allah Ta'ala we are at your door. We cannot leave this door until you grant us what we want. Allah Ta'ala please fill our hearts with your nur. Allah Ta'ala forgive our hearts for their sins. Allah Ta'ala purify our hearts of its blackness. Allah Ta'ala soften our hearts from their hardness. Allah Ta'ala open the seal that you have put on our hearts. And Allah Ta'ala let us from now on, each and every one of us pledge to be your obedient servant. Allah Ta'ala make it easy for us to obey you. Allah Ta'ala those of us who are worried because of our brothers, those of us who are worried because of our fathers, those of us who are worried because of our sons, Allah Ta'ala please end our worries. Make each and every one of us the light of one another. Allah Ta'ala shower your mercy on the youth of Lusaka. 
Tell your mercy on the Muslim youth of Zambia. Tell your mercy on the Muslim youth all over the world. Allah Ta'ala when Shaitan can impact the whole world and Allah Ta'ala your mercy can also envelop the whole world. Allah Ta'ala when Shaitan can impact thousands of Muslim men in this sin. Allah Ta'ala your mercy can impact thousands of Muslim men and free them from this sin. Allah Ta'ala we beg that you forgive us and forgive all the Muslim men and, and women who are engaged in this sin. Allah Ta'ala shower your mercy on our Muslim sisters who are involved in this sin. Allah Ta'ala protect the modesty and chastity of our Muslim women. Allah Ta'ala protect the modesty and chastity of our Muslim women. Allah Ta'ala protect the modesty and chastity of our Muslim